1: The movement to be alcohol-free for the first month of the year is growing. One poll suggests that 21% of adults plan to cut back on drinking to begin their 2024. That number is the highest since the group began polling three years ago. It's a movement many of you participated in.
2: This is Alex calling from New Orleans. This is Margaret from Griffith, Indiana. Hi, this is Will from Cleveland, Ohio. We did dry January, and we instantly noticed we were sleeping a lot better. Our stomachs felt a lot better. We were less congested and just generally had more energy. Got into some bad habits, drinking too much, particularly during the week, uh, during COVID. And it just kind of snowballed, so I needed a reset.
3: This has been very successful as we don't find ourselves needing to have a cocktail to wind down every day after work. It was only difficult when I would go out to dinner and everybody else was drinking, and the drinks looked really good. But stuck to it, Uh, one more day left. So February 2nd, I will be having some crown apples.
1: During the first year of the pandemic, alcohol sales saw the largest increase in over 50 years. But now, non-alcoholic beer, wine, and spirit sales are on the rise, with half a billion dollars in sales just in the first half of 2023. So is the zero-proof movement a backlash to the boozy pandemic? Are non-alcoholic brews and bars here to stay? I'm Jen White. You're listening to the 1A Podcast, where we get to the heart of the story. We'll dive into all that and more after the break. Stay with us.
3: This message comes from NPR sponsor Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sell without needing to code or design. Just bring your best ideas and Shopify will help you open up shop. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at Shopify.com NPR.
0: Support for NPR and the following message come from Carvana, on a mission to make car buying more convenient and affordable than ever before. In minutes, you can browse thousands of options under $20,000. Visit carvana.com or download the app today to get started.
3: Support for NPR and the following message come from Sattva. Sattva luxury mattresses are every bit as elegant as the most expensive brands, but because they're sold online, they're about half the price. Visit s dot com slash npr and save an additional
1: $200. Let's meet our guests. Laura Silverman is the founder of Zero Proof Nation. That's a resource for all things non-alcoholic, including a global map of non-alcoholic spaces. She's also the founder of Booze Free in D.C., a digital hub in the district. Laura, welcome to the program.
4: Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be here.
1: Also with us is Chris Marshall. He's the owner and founder of Sands Bar in Austin, Texas. It's the first zero-proof bar in the U.S. Chris, thanks for joining us.
5: Thanks for having me. So glad to be here today.
1: And Kaylee Thiriald is with us, the Director of Beverage Alcohol Thought Leadership at NIQ. It's a market research company previously called Nielsen IQ.
6: Kaylee, it's great to have you. Thank you so much, excited to be here. So Laura, let's start by
1: hearing a bit of your journey into the Zero Proof lifestyle. How did it start for you?
4: It started for me by a need to get sober. So I had a very short drinking career. I was a binge drinker for six years in my late teens and early twenties. And by the time I turned 24, I had already been hospitalized for alcohol poisoning twice and knew that if I continued drinking, things would get worse. You can only imagine the outcome. Or I could choose to seek treatment. And it did feel like the end of my social life, but it really was the beginning of my life. And That was in 2007. Uh, There were no non-alcoholic beverage options to speak of, certainly nothing adult and sophisticated. And there were no social spaces to congregate with like-minded people. So it was very alienating and a huge driver into um, my need and desire to create community around me and to uh, bring people together around this non-alcoholic lifestyle.
1: And that led to Zero Proof Nation.
4: That led to Zero Proof Nation and Booze Free in D.C., and uh, Chris Marshall and I go way back uh, as, as some of the pioneers in this non-alcoholic movement when when it wasn't popular, when dry January really hadn't hit the U.S. shores. Um, it was mostly in the U.K., so we've been pounding this drum for a while, and it, it's paid back. The dividends are great.
1: <laughs> well, Chris, you opened Sands Bar in 2017, which, as far as we can tell, was the first Zero Proof Bar in the U.S. What brought you to that? mission?
5: Like Laura, I have my own struggle with alcohol uh, from about the age of 16 until I stopped drinking in uh, 2007. And I was a licensed counselor. And as a counselor, I saw people struggling with substance use, uh, much like myself. And they were all looking for a space. They were all looking for community. And I I just had to create Sands Bar. It was uh, the answer to the problem of Where do you go when you've decided to abstain from alcohol, even if it's just for a night?
1: Kaylee, what does the market for non-alcoholic beers, wines, and and spirits look like over the past couple of years?
6: Yeah, you highlighted in the beginning that it it is a reached over a half a billion dollars in 2023. And that's that's an incredible amount when we think about that in total in the channels that we measure. And it's up about 30% just versus 2022. But if we go back four or five years, we've seen the double-digit growth in these non-alcohol beer, wine, and spirits products over the past five years. So it's been really incredible to see it grow and it's just a drop in the bucket when we look at it versus total alcohol. But really, it's it's a broader trend of, of moderation for all types of consumers. Well, I want
1: to go back to our voicemail box. We got this from Catherine in
6: Pennsylvania.
3: I've cut down a lot on drinking, but it wasn't until recently that I completely stopped. And it's really because of all the options out there. Uh, and Dry January, that sober social movement, really helps solidify my decision to just completely stop. Uh, There was a couple non-alcoholic events during the month, and that introduced me to the whole range of non-alcoholic beverages that are out there. And I went to a couple of restaurants and bars, and they just didn't have one option. They had like a whole menu. And that's really encouraging. um, And that's kept me from drinking
1: alcohol. Thanks for that message, Catherine. Laura, you said when you first stopped drinking 16 years ago, there was really nothing on the market. How would you describe the evolution of the non-alcoholic beverage industry over the past decade or so?
4: Well, it's been wild. It's been wild because I, I sometimes feel like a, a grandma in this movement. I've I've watched my babies grow, and really, for the first ten years of of my sobriety, we were we were looking at sort of the old mocktail, um, and and some in many places not even the the quote unquote old mocktail, and by that I refer to sort of the sweet sugary, uh, for lack of a better word, let me serve you some pineapple juice in a kitty cup kind of beverage. Um, we unfortunately throw a lot of shade to a brand called Odules, and, and to be fair, I've actually oh, yeah. never tried it, but Oduls was the only non-alcoholic beer on the market for about 30 years in the States until uh, a certain little local brewery um, in Connecticut called Athletic Brewing. Uh, came on and, and has, has since, you know, branched out to the whole world. But um, really, there weren't any options for for the first about decade of my sobriety. I drank a lot of Diet Coke, a lot of club soda and lime, maybe a splash of crayon if I was feeling fancy. And then uh, pre-pandemic, by about a couple of years, so like I referenced before, Chris and I met um, in 2017 online and then in 2018, in person, again, I had noticed that there were there were more uh, non alcoholic options locally. There are a couple of brands to local to the DC area that I had noticed emerging: um, Mocktail Club and Element Shrub. Two of my close friends who are doing some really amazing things still. Um, and and I w- was was really seeking community, so I started to do more research and I started to see that there was something there, but it was still so nascent. Um, and then when 2020 happened, when 2020 hit, obviously it affected the whole world in a variety of ways. But one of the ways that we've noticed and we're talking about here is this rise in a desire to drink non-alcoholic options, um, not just if you're completely sober, but if you're moderating, alternating, um, just choosing a healthier lifestyle. And with 2020, this this is sort of the root of what I've built at Zero Proof Nation, which is a a, a collective um, look at the global non-alcoholic beverage market, but from like a community standpoint, we started to see the rise of these social spaces like Chris has built. Um, these non-alcoholic bars, um, booze-free bars, social spaces, pop-ups, mobile mixology, and the rise of the non-alcoholic bottle shop, which mm-hmm. if someone is completely... Um, clueless on this and that's okay it's essentially a liquor store but it's all non-alcoholic beers wines spirits RTDs botanicals everything and this was i i believe a direct result of what was going on um in 2020 and and since then there are now over 300 Um, alcohol-free-only establishments in the world and growing every day.
1: Well, let's take a quick break. But when we come back, we hear more about your experiences with Dry January.
4: My name is Sarah, and I'm a liquor rep
6: in Nashville, Tennessee. And I decided to do Dry January this year for the first time. I found out that it was actually easier for me than I thought. I am a habitual drinker. I drink
1: for a living. But yeah, I didn't really miss it. Back with more in a moment.
0: This message comes from NPR sponsor, the American Cancer Society. By the end of this message, two people will be told they have cancer. Yes, every 15 seconds, someone is diagnosed with cancer. But by the end of this message, you could do something about it with your donation. A gift of any amount to the American Cancer Society can help those facing cancer get free rides to care or a free place to stay closer to treatment. Donate today at cancer.org. On Wired Politics Lab, you will be guided through the exciting, challenging, and sometimes entertaining vortex of Internet extremism, conspiracies, and disinformation. Listen to Wired Politics Lab wherever you get your podcasts.
4: Is it
3: possible to engineer our way out of the climate crisis? Some entrepreneurs want to shoot particles into the stratosphere to combat global warming. Experts say regulations on this technology aren't keeping up. The world of solar geoengineering on the latest episode of the Sunday Story from NPR's Up First podcast.
1: Let's get back to the conversation by hearing from Jeff in Minneapolis about his dry January experience.
2: A neighbor had told me that they did this and I had never heard of it before and I said, well, wow, what would that be like? Um, but I, I, I did it this year and and it's actually a lot easier than I anticipated and much more freeing and really uh, cleansing than I thought. So it was a revelation to, to be able to get through the whole month without drinking, and then uh, I think I'm going to be doing it again. Thanks for that message.
1: Kaylee, this industry is still relatively new. How much do brands still need to fully figure out either their product or their marketing?
6: I think it's a combination of both. And what we've been seeing with Dry January is that it's a great launching point for a brand. And you know consumers have that heightened awareness during the month. Either they're seeking those non-alcohol brands out or the non-alcohol brands are really pushing their marketing during Dry January. And that's great. But I think from a marketing perspective, the brands can't lose track of the rest of the year either, especially because we see this being that broader moderation trend. In the sales that we track, we actually see even higher dollar peaks during key holidays like 4th of July and those year-end celebrations, that's when sales peak again. And from a um, a taste profile and getting that product right, it is really important for brands to nail it because people are willing to try it, but if they don't like the flavor on that first try, they're not going to come back and purchase that same brand again. And it might even turn them away from all non-alcohol products. Um beer has done a really good job to get the flavor right. Wines have admitted that there's some of a struggle, uh, some some bit of a struggle, I think. Um and the non-alcoholic spirits are are relatively new compared to the other categories, but consumers are still trying to figure those out a little bit, too.
1: Well, Robin Orlando emails the Athletic Brewing makes a wonderful IPA and gold lager and Guinness makes a 0.0 Scout which is tasty. Kaylee, who's who's driving? The Zero Proof Movement, who are the biggest consumers of these products?
6: I think we imagine that it's a single consumer, but it's actually such a broad set of consumers. It's some that are completely sober, but then it's others that are still really drinking um, alcohol-containing products. They're just giving them an alternative during a certain occasion. And when we look at it from a demographic perspective, I think all generations are driving this movement we do see a little bit of a higher affinity among boomers as they age up and um, have some health concerns and stuff like that. They lean into these products. But really where we're seeing um, high interest in these products is among Generation Z, those ones that are of legal drinking age, 21 plus. Um, it's a generation that is unlike any other generation and they haven't really leaned into alcohol yet as they kind of turn of age they're they're a little bit slower in moving to the category but we do see them trying these non-alcohol products and they really allow for for trial of the different flavors and to figure out what they might like before They dive headfirst into the alcohol world. But I definitely think that Gen Z are more more conscious of the decisions that they're making and that responsibility factor.
1: Chris, there are more zero-proof bars today. But in 2017, how did you think about the kind of space you wanted to create? How you wanted it to feel for people who came in?
5: Yeah, I mean, I'm a person who uh, grew up uh, loving community and connection One of my favorite shows as a child was Cheers that should have told me something about my (laughs) my future trajectory. Um, I love the idea of going to a a third space that's not working at home, that has this warmth, this connection, this energy about it that uh, invites people in. And so that was the only metric that I really had for a a space, an alcohol-free bar. I really wanted to create a space that sounds like a bar, that feels like a bar. You walk in and there's live music. You, there's overlapping conversation. People are making drinks. Uh, that energy is the only thing that I really uh, had in mind as I began to build out the bar. Is this
1: an adult-only space?
5: It is. I, I, I you know, am, am so encouraged by folks who were, you know, younger and are interested in, in our space, but we really try to make this an adult space, as was as was alluded to earlier. Our target demographic does vary across generations, but we're seeing uh, mostly older folks. And I think that that's, that's just a sign of purchasing power and health and understanding kind of where, um, where alcohol fits into the overall, uh, you know, way that you live your life as you age. Uh, and so it, it does feel like more of an adult space, I would say.
1: Laura, what do you think makes for a good zero-proof bar?
4: Well, Jen, it's it's exactly what Chris said. It, it's about feeling like you're not missing out on anything. You are enjoying everything that you would have gotten from perhaps a favorite bar before. And, and there are so many different types of alcohol-driven uh, bars. Now there are so many different types of Non-alcoholic bars. You have gay bars and cocktail bars and dive bars, and they're they're all sort of finding their way as well in this space. So um, it feels just like it feels just like a bar. There's uh, there's a lot of conversations. There's a lot of music and th- certainly a lot of drinks. But what stands out from the rest is the ability to to form more authentic connections, which is something that Chris has stood by since the very beginning. And it's it's we don't have to risk the hangover the next day, um, and we certainly can can drive ourselves home from uh, from a booze free bar. Um, it's a it's better for safety all the way around. It's better for reduction of liability, but it's also better for forming real friendships and. Um, and for caring for our health and well-being. Um, So many of these products fill the same need um, that an alcoholic product might have filled for someone, but... They're ultimately, and some of them have sugar, some of them have uh, preservatives, because again, we're talking about um, non-alcoholic products need a type of preservatives. Alcohol is inherently a preservative. So there are going to be some, some differences in the ways that the products are made, but ultimately it is better for our health. So it's just this um, holistic space of a bar plus health.
1: We got this email from Molly in Pennsylvania who writes, Dry January and sobriety hold different meanings for each individual. To some, becoming sober is a big deal and takes a lot of strength. Others participate to become part of the trend of Dry January. Do you think Dry January is just a trendy social movement or will this sobriety continue on and become more of the norm? Kaylee, I want you to first answer that question from What the market research is telling you.
6: Yeah, when we look at the the buyers of non-alcohol beer, wine, and spirits, we're we're actually seeing that 94% of them are still purchasing alcohol-containing products. And so from that perspective, we do see it more as a moderation versus a sobriety trend. But I don't want to lose sight either. The channels that we track are those traditional grocery stores, convenience stores, liquor stores, drug and club stores. I don't want to lose sight of the e-commerce space here as well or those um, bottle shops that Laura was talking about um, in which we don't track. And we know that those are huge locations for consumers to go to and find these products. And there's a comfortability in those as well um, to where you might not feel pressure to also buy alcohol on that trip. So I I think it is a broader broader trend, um, but it might not be full sobriety throughout the remainder of the year, but definitely other sober months in moderation for those health benefits.
1: Well, and Chris, when you talk to people who come into your space, how are they talking about how they want to access both a non-alcoholic bar, but also how they're thinking about drinking, whether they're trying to be sober or they're just wanting to maybe have a different relationship with alcohol in some way?
5: Yeah, I think Laura coined the phrase sobriety spectrum uh, many years ago. And I think that it's so apt. Uh, There are many people who are on one end of that spectrum, sober, serious, and they have decided to abstain from alcohol for life because of whatever reason. And then there's people who are sober sometimes, kind of in the middle, and uh, sober for you know, a, a, an event that they need to be alcohol-free for. And then there's just sober sometimes and, and sober curious. And, of course, sober curious, I think, makes the biggest um, number of folks who are entering this, this category in dry January. Um, and wherever you're at on that spectrum, you're welcome in, in Sands Bar and in, in most of these spaces. Uh, I have the good fortune of being uh, about a block from the Texas Capitol. So people are kind of strolling down um, our major thoroughfare and they stop in. And it's amazing. I mean, people stop in for a drink, real, not realizing it's a non-alcoholic bar, but they stay because they've had drinks at other bars and they're just kind of wanting to hang out and have a good time. Or they may just be going to see a show and they'll, they'll start at Sands Bar and they may have a glass or of wine or two at the comedy show, right? It's a, a wonderful way of letting people come to this in their own way um, and no judgment around it, your relationship with alcohol.
1: We got this email from Thea who says, how do the prices of non-alcoholic spirits like vodka, gin, and whiskey compare to alcoholic prices? Are they similar to top shelf spirits or can the normal person afford them? Kaylee, what can you tell us about the price point?
6: From a pricing perspective, they're they're pretty in line with um, premium spirits. Um, they do go through, you know, I think Chris talked about the difference of those, the production of them. Um, but we do see them priced relatively similar. And consumers are definitely willing to pay that because they find the value in it. Um, especially within uh, bars and restaurants. I loved how Laura talked about a mocktail used to just be a mixture of juices and whatnot. But now with that non-alcohol or tequila alternative, their margarita, their non-alcohol margarita can actually taste like the real thing. And consumers see the value in that, and they're willing to pay about the same as what they would pay for um, an alcohol-containing drink.
1: Well, unfortunately, we have to leave it there, Kaylee. But thanks so much for talking with us today. Thank you. We'll head to a quick break here, but when we come back, we add a new voice to the conversation.
4: On Wildcard, the new podcast from NPR, you'll hear people like comedian Jenny Slate reflect on their lives. What is something you think about very differently today than you did 10 years ago? Dressing. Like, not salad dressing. I've always loved it, and I'll (laughs) never stop. Dressing my body. That's all part of the new game show Wildcard, only from NPR. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. The day's top headlines,
1: local stories from your community, your next podcast binge listen. You can have it all in one place, your pocket. Download the NPR app today. Let's head back to our discussion about non-alcoholic beverages by heading over to Philadelphia. 1A producer Michelle Harvin visited the Volstead. It's the city's first ever zero-proof bar. First, you'll hear from bartender David, then director of operations, Tricia Vicenda, and her partner, Tony Vicenda.
3: And what is this?
2: So this is a toe of the line. Okay, it's a very nice, uh, like, refreshing drink. It's got a lot of like herbal taste to it, as well as elderflowers. It's it's super refreshing. Wow, <laughs> this one has you it can smell. It. I can smell? Yeah, that's crazy. Cool. Yeah, so
4: um, the different spirits are made, some of them are made to mimic different um, alcohols. Some of them are just made to be kind of their own thing. They're not trying to mimic another alcohol. So when you're thinking about, say, like a whiskey, it's going to contain things that you would think of with a whiskey. So maybe oak notes, maybe a little vanilla or chocolate or smoke. And... A lot of times what they'll do, some of the companies will do is add capsaicin which will give that like burning sensation so it'll like warm the back of your throat.
0: Whether people are uh, sober or whether they're just interested in what zero proof cocktails and culture is like, it's a great moment to kind of think intentionally about what is my relationship with alcohol, how am I engaging with that. and how am I supporting other people for whom uh, they, they are living sober, right? How am I creating space for that in my relationships and in um, like the, the culture that I surround myself with?
1: That's Tony Vicinda at the Volstead in Philadelphia speaking on Wednesday. You also heard from Director of Operations, Trisha Vicenda and Bartender David. Joining us now to talk about it is Robert Ashford. He's the owner of the Volstead, which is an alcohol-free bar in Philadelphia. He's also the co-founder of Unity Recovery. Robert, welcome to the program. Thanks so much for having me. So the Volstead is part of the larger organization, Unity Recovery, and this is a non-clinical recovery community organization. You opened the bar in 2022. What has the Volstead been able to offer a city that's never had a dry bar before?
2: <laughs> Hopefully hope uh, and some ideas that there's a lot of possibilities to create third spaces that uh, can exist at night, right, and aren't coffee shops or church basements. Um, and I think for for us, is both part of our larger uh, ecosystem of recovery supports and wellness-focused things, whether that's the yoga studios or the bottle shops um, or the restaurants, it, it's really, I think, to Philadelphia, it's showing people across the spectrum, as y'all have talked about today, that they can examine their relationship with alcohol. And more importantly is they can exist in spaces that still to this day, the zeitgeist is you, alcohol has to permeate everything. And I think it's showing people Gen Z primar- primarily, as was mentioned before, but that they can do something else and still exist and thrive and and have human experiences. And Philly, as being Philly and and the great city that we are, right, I think that's that's not all that common. So we're happy to be the first. And I think it's finally making Philly really think about kind of that blue-collar, heavy-drinking culture that that permeates even so much of America.
1: How much of a learning curve was there and how much education did you have to do for Philly residents around what it means to be a non-alcoholic bar?
2: You know, uh, I think it's interesting. We certainly talk about it, but this idea that the the mass consumer doesn't understand, at least in our experience, of what non-alcoholic options can mean um, really wasn't the educational aspect that needs to or why this space needs to exist. Most people intuitively know, especially pregnant women. We have a huge cultural and religious community out here that doesn't drink. It all kind of made sense, and that's why Philly is such a good market. But where we've had to do a ton of education is in those new market categories like Zero Proof Spirits, because it is the newest entryway. Most people really want to learn about that. And it's not from a sense of, I don't understand it. There's some of that, but it's more around, I'm just interested. How do they make it? The science of this is so cool. And wow, how do they make it taste this way? It's interesting. So imagine like a whiskey tasting in the more traditional sense. We can still do that now. So education is not to get them interested in the category broadly. It's just to have fun and educate them about the category, which is, is more recently possible and hasn't been pre, I think, 2020.
1: Let's go back to our voicemail box. This is James in Missouri who participated in Dry
2: January. The hardest part about Dry January is the social aspect of it, not necessarily the alcohol. Going and hanging out with friends at a brewery or at the local watering hole, uh, alcohol is not just centered around a, a drink. It's centered around a social aspect. So I'm excited for us to end and, and go out and see some uh, friends I haven't seen in a while.
1: I mean, Chris and Robert, I'd love to hear from both of you because you've been very intentional about creating community around your bar. And Robert, how did you think about, okay, when someone walks into this space, this is how we want them to feel. This is the experience we want them to have.
2: Yeah, and I, you know, it's an interesting question, right? I think it goes to back to the subjective nature. I just want, I want people to feel something. I'm not particularly... Uh, Striving to say what well, has to be happier, it has to be mysterious or pensive. I just want them to feel, uh, which is you know in a zero proof bar, certainly not layering on um, any of the additional alcohol. Like feelings are important, and certainly we want that to be chaos free, which certainly comes with no alcohol, right? Or being a zero proof bar. But people get to feel different things, and, and more importantly for me as a person in recovery in the space I built, sometimes we do these things selfishly. I built the bar I wanted. Mm-hmm. I had a before I stopped using alcohol. Almost 11 years ago, like I had grand aspirations of building a speakeasy called the Volstead, still in the same premise after the the Volstead Act and Prohibition. It took on new meaning in my uh, recovery these days, and we still wanted to do it, though. So I built a speakeasy-type bar with a zero-proof focus. 90% of our sales are all zero-proof spirits. We don't do a whole lot of any wine and beer, though we certainly sell it at the bottle shop. But it's an experience for me, and I think moody and mysterious. It's a jazz club on the first floor and a vegan restaurant up top, right? But we largely create spaces that exist and are marketed to lots of different segments. Um, But I think to your question, I just want people to feel and be inside their bodies when they're in our spaces without the need for alcohol. Um, And people come for various different reasons, and I think we're successful at least in that, that everybody has an experience that's unique to them. And Chris, I'm curious, because you said like people walk by your space
1: and they may just – come into Sands Bar not knowing that it's an an alcohol-free space. And maybe they've been drinking already. Have you been in situations where you have to be deliberate about preserving what you're trying to create and
5: protect in that space? Uh, Fortunately, I have not. I think when people walk into the space, there's something that just... It does look and sound like a bar, but the the energy is just different and we welcome you in right away. I think I've only had to turn one overly intoxicated patron away in seven years. It's just a – it feels different and I think people – uh, notice that there's just a, a connection there that's happening that doesn't happen in other spaces. So as much as it looks and sounds like a bar, uh, any other bar in America, it, it totally has a different energy to it. And I think people, even intoxicated folks, just don't feel as comfortable in that space because it is about people really talking to you and, and hearing you and and having a good time. Like we're, we're having, we're dancing, we're doing karaoke, we're doing amazing things, we're having drag shows, but we're not. Um, we're not just numbed out. We're all focused in on each other. Yeah.
1: Well, let's make sure we get to some of your questions. Let's dip into our voicemail box again.
3: Hi, my name is Leanne from Pittsburgh,
6: Pennsylvania. I don't drink because I have an autoimmune bleeding condition. I've found that when I go into stores, including liquor stores, they have no idea where I can find non-alcoholic drinks. It would be really nice if there was a website where you could type in your address or zip code, to find out where you can get
1: mocktails and non-alcoholic drinks. Thanks for that message, Laura. I'm, I'm batting it over to you. <laughs>
4: wow, well, um, that was such a lovely voicemail. I have, I have three points here. One, um, and because I'm all about community and sharing options, it's not just my own here. So um, there are two apps out there that are fantastic that are um, location-driven. And again, they're tied to, to distribution. So it's a matter of where you can find products available near you. But there's an app called Buzzcut. And there's an app called Better Without, and they are location based, and you can find options near you. But if you are looking again, and and forgive me, I forgot the the lovely woman's name um, who left a voicemail, uh-huh. Leanne. Thank you. But um, if she is uncomfortable going to a liquor store or finds that um, these stores have no idea how to cater to her, there are these. Pl- there's a plethora of um, adult non-alcoholic bottle shops all over the country and all over the world, which someone can find if they go to zeroproofnation.com and view the global map and they are set.
1: Well, we're getting some recommendations from you, Mark in Virginia emails. I've been doing Dry January for 20-plus years just to know I can always walk away from booze. The selection of non-alcoholic beers is light years ahead of what was available 10 or 20 years ago. Sober Carpenter is a current favorite of mine. And Jim in Maryland emails, I am alcohol-free for 15-plus years. The AA cliche is non-alcoholic beer is for non-alcoholics. Wrong. I missed high-quality beer but discovered athletic brewing. I ordered several varieties and I was amazed. I drink one or two alcohol-free beers daily. Let's head back to our voicemail box.
5: Hi, this is Patrick,
2: uh, and I own a small distillery. What I think is that it's a fantastic trend, the tendency toward non-alcoholic or alcoholic beverages, particularly as a producer of
5: distilled spirits. And we would love to enter that market. However, the technology is hard to come by, and, and beyond that, the, the knowledge and the know-how is 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 well, I, I just don't know how to do it. And so I was wondering if we might be able to have a conversation in regards to current producers and particularly small producers like ourselves, which are self-funded, making NA Spirits.
1: Now, well, Chris, you have an academy branch of your business where you help entrepreneurs get started in the non-alcoholic space. What advice do you have for small businesses and distilleries who want to learn more?
5: Absolutely. So, yeah, I've created a 10-week course out, folks uh, figure out how to enter the market. Uh, for beverages specifically, there's a lot of great o- options. There's a non-alcoholic beverage association that is fantastic that people can join. Uh, there's also a plethora of uh, information and associations on the internet. You can kind of find out how this is working. There's a, a lot of de-alcoholizing programs uh, across uh, the country. I know that there's a, a good one for beers in Minnesota uh, where they're just really great at the alcoholizing some of the best beers in the world, uh, and so I, I think that the the path to a non-alc offering is closer than most people uh, would would imagine.
1: Lots of questions about finding good non-alcoholic wine. Liz emails, I really miss how red wine pairs with food and would love to find a good tasting alcohol free red wine. And Nicole emails, I'm a red wine lover. When I was pregnant, I found great non-alcoholic beer and mocktails, but really struggled to find good non-alcoholic wine alternatives. The guests admitted non-alcoholic wine is lagging behind, but are there any brands they can recommend?
5: Chris, I think you raised your hand with a recommendation. I just I just love this question cuz it's the one that I get the most and I I always just tell people to temper their expectations uh because what people like about wine especially red wine are the tannins and so much of that is uh removed when you dealcoholize wine. So it's it's much like uh offering a plant-based alternative, right? You have to just temper your expectations and know that it may not be the exact same, but it's still really really good. And then the other thing I would say is that when when you want to uh you know, pro tip: if you if you're struggling with you know not finding quite the right kind of uh, red wine that works for you, a couple of drops of non-alcoholic bitters changes the game. Okay, it is an amazing thing to do. Laura, any other
1: advice?
4: Yes, absolutely. Uh, Just to snaps to what Chris said, the alcohol-free bitters, and we have uh, a friend uh, who has an alcohol-free bitters line called All the Bitter, add that to um, NA wine and it just absolutely um, adds to the depth of the product. But I do have a couple of red wine recommendations um, that I think are really good products. This category in particular has come a long way. It is a hard one to replicate, but Oceano Zero Pinot Noir is a new one that's entered the market. It's pretty good. I would also say Naughty Rouge is fantastic. And then last but not least, Shirley has a red blend that is absolutely delicious and it it just hits all of the notes.
1: Okay, there's a lot of more questions we could get to, but we got to end the conversation here. That's Laura Silverman, the founder of Zero Proof Nation and Booze Free in D.C., Chris Marshall, the owner and founder of Sands Bar in Austin, Texas, and Robert Ashford, owner of the Volstead in Philadelphia and the co-founder of Unity Recovery. Thanks to you all. And a quick announcement before we go. We've got a new offering from 1A for you. It's called 1A Plus. 1A Plus is a new way to support our work and public radio. When you sign up, you get access to a special feed where you can listen to all of our podcast episodes sponsor-free. Now, nothing is changing about our regular show. 1A Plus is just another way to show your support of public media and get some extra perks, too. So please do sign up. You can find out more at plus.npr.org slash 1A. Today's show was produced by Michelle Harvin. The podcast was produced by Matthew Simonson. This program comes to you from WAMU part of American University in Washington, distributed by NPR. I'm Jen White. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk more soon. This is 1A.
0: This message comes from NPR sponsor, BetterHelp. When you're carrying around a lot of stress, therapy is a safe space to get it off your chest. If you're considering therapy, give BetterHelp a try at betterhelp.com NPR to get 10% off your first month.
3: Support for NPR and the following message come from IXL Learning. IXL Learning uses advanced algorithms to give the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. Get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com
6: NPR. Jasmine Morris here from the StoryCorps podcast. Our latest season is called My Way. Stories of people who found a rhythm all their own and marched to it throughout their lives. Consequences and other people's opinions be damned. You won't believe the courage and audacity in these stories. Hear them on the StoryCorps podcast from NPR.